Today I have the privilege of sharing with you our ongoing messages on the book of Acts. Pastor Daniel is away in California at a conference. He's going to come back and share some good things with us, I'm sure, uh, from that conference. And uh, we're going to grow as a church because of that. And last Sunday, he shared on Acts chapter 13. So that's where we're at. If you'd like to open your Bibles to Acts 13. He finished the first part of the message. In fact, it's the first message that Paul preached that we have recorded. Uh, He preached, obviously, before this. But he's on his first missionary journey. And on the first missionary journey... I think everybody kind of learns what's going on, and then he had a second missionary journey and a third missionary journey, and so I'm sure that he got better as it went on. But anyway, we have his first message here that's recorded, and uh, Pastor Daniel took us right through uh, verse 33, but I want to talk to you today about the results of the gospel, the results of the gospel. And if you have your paper today, let me just tell you ahead of time, I'm going to give you 10 different things that are the result of the gospel. And so if you wanna make a list of those, uh, you would be able to leave here, I think, with a better understanding as to what he requires of us in receiving the gospel ourselves. And so uh, we're beginning here, I wanna take you back to verse 23 in in the message that he was preaching because he comes to this and he says, for the descendants of this man, according to promise, God has brought uh, to Israel a savior, Jesus. Now, he's preaching in the synagogue, remember. There are a few proselytes that are there as well, but it's to a Jewish audience, and so he's giving them the history of Israel, very similar to uh, Peter's first uh, message that we have on the day of Pentecost, even similar to Stephen's message, where Paul was there encouraging people as they killed Stephen that day, but I think that message kind of rang over in his heart as well. So he's, he's talking about the history of Israel, and he comes to this place of saying, it's Jesus, that is there. And then down in verse number 30, it says, but God raised him from the dead. Even though they chose to kill him, which is the plan of God anyway, we sang a song about Jesus going to the cross with joy, uh, and that's what Edwin talked about this morning, is the joy of the Lord even of going to the cross, and we'll talk about that maybe a little bit later as well. But God raised him from the dead. And he goes on with a message in the beginning of verse number 34. He talks about the fact of raising him from the dead and uh, neither to return to decay. And then he talks about the difference between David and Jesus. David went into the grave. And we know where he is buried. We know that he didn't rise from the dead. And so he's not talking about David, but David was very special to them as Jewish people. And so it rang through to them. But then he goes on and talks about this one, Jesus, that didn't stay in the grave. Three days after they put him in the grave, he rose from the dead. And after that resurrection, amazing things happened in people's lives. And that's what he has to talk to them about today. And so he goes through that and he comes to verse 38, which is the first of the 10 things I want to share with you today. In verse 38, it says, Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through him forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And so here the, 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 the result of this message that he's preaching is that you're going to be able to be forgiven your sins. Now, the Jewish people understood forgiveness of sin because they were given the sacrifices in the Old Testament. When you sinned, you went and found a sacrifice, you brought it, and you shed the blood of that animal, and when that blood was over the mercy seat, it says that you were forgiven, and they understood that. But the problem was, once they had done that, 
they went back to their lives and nothing had changed. They're still the same people that they were. Forgiveness was there, but he's talking about a forgiveness that is deeper than the forgiveness that they understood. Through him, that's Jesus, forgiveness of sin is proclaimed to you. So now instead of an animal sacrifice, he's talking about the very son of God that willfully went to the cross and suffered for you and I. My sin was laid upon Jesus that day as he hung on the cross. All of our sin was placed on Jesus, the sacrificial lamb. But that was a change in their theology. They understood animal sacrifice, but human sacrifice? No, they didn't understand that, especially if you're talking about the Son of God. But the Son of God, even though he offered himself as that sacrifice, on the third day he rose from the dead. And so we have a resurrection that is beyond belief to them and they're struggling with this but he pronounces forgiveness. And so the first result of the gospel is forgiveness of sin. Do you remember when you were first forgiven? Most of us can remember that. I certainly do and know it was a long time ago. Uh, but I remember when Christ came into my life and, and the pastor showed me a scripture from, from Romans chapter eight, I mean chapter 10 verses eight, nine and 10. And uh, when he first read that to me, he read the first verse and it says uh, that God is so close to you. He's already within your heart and within your mouth. That frightened me, literally scared me. I, God should not be that close to anybody. Uh, he needs to be in heaven somewhere on a throne. And that, I, that bothered me when he read that. But he goes on and he says, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. So I thought, well, that's, that's not bad. Uh, I actually believed that Jesus was the Son of God. Uh, I didn't know who he was to me, but I believed that. I'd been hearing that most of my life, but I'd never confessed him as my Lord and Savior. In fact, when he read that, I thought, no, I, I probably ought to confess my sin to him because he's able to forgive my sin. And so it took me a while. Uh, to go through, I was only 17 at the time, but I had gotten into a lot of trouble. Nobody knows what I'm talking about, right? Uh, anyway, a lot of things had happened in my life, so I confessed all the sin that I could remember. And uh, I just felt a cleansing of forgiveness of my sin. I'd never felt that before. Uh, this is amazing. I don't know if I was walking on the pavement when I left that church that night, but it was exciting. I was changed, in fact, tell a story sometimes, I went down, I was cleaning the grocery store, just a, a half a block away from the church, and I went to go in, unlock the door, and some of my friends, four of them in a brand new convertible pulled up, and uh, they said, hey Floyd, what you doing? I said, well, I'm gonna go clean the store, but you'll never believe what happened to me tonight. And they all kind of looked at me a little puzzled, and I said, see the church down, down the street here? I gave my life to Jesus tonight, and he forgave my sin. And I'll never forget their expressions. Oh. And they drove off. I, we didn't have an extended conversation. I said, what'd I say? What'd I do? I mean, it was so real to me, but it wasn't very real to them. And that began my Christian life. And amazing things happen when you know your sin is forgiven. 
you know that's washed under the blood of Jesus. So that's number one. It says that in verse 38. Second response of the gospel, verse 39. And through him, everyone who believes is freed from all things from which you could not be freed through the law of Moses. Remember, he's talking to Jewish people and he's talking about freedom that comes in Jesus. There's a freedom that comes in Jesus that the Jewish people had no understanding of whatsoever. In fact, it's called sanctification. That word freedom is actually translated sanctification, meaning that you are now sanctified. You are now cleansed from everything. I remember reading 1 John chapter number one and verse nine, it says, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins. And I used to stop there, but it goes on and says, and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. God is in charge here. In fact, if you read the sermon, it's all about what God did. It's not about what man was doing, but it's about how God led through the the history of the Jewish people leading up to the Messiah, who was a gift from God, his own son, that we might be forgiven and that we might be free. It was freedom that God had set us free. In fact, if you go back to Galatians, uh, that's where we're actually at. Antioch is the Galatian church. And so when Paul writes to them, he said it was for freedom that God set you free. It was for freedom that you might be free from your past, free from, listen to this, yourself. You know, we're sometimes our biggest enemy. We're, we have all kinds of thoughts and all kinds of things that give us direction and when we become his, he comes to live with inside of us and by his Holy Spirit speaks and directs our life. It's amazing what he does. He comes to set us free in such a way that everything becomes wonderful. You don't have to worry about anything because he's in charge of your life. And when I first was born again, I thought this is the most amazing life. I I could never imagine this. And it lasted for about a week and a half. (laughs) And then stuff began to happen and I thought, I I thought that everything was gonna be perfect from here on out. Well, it is if you follow the Lord. It is if you listen to him. It is, you can even go through struggles and trials and we're gonna get to that today. But God is in charge. And when you know he's in charge, everything's okay. Doesn't matter what's happening. Told a story in the first service about uh, the first Christians that Rome didn't really like. And uh, Rome decided they would get rid of a bunch of them. And you know how they did it. They set up stakes and they nailed them to the stakes and then they lit a fire underneath of them and literally burned them to death. Ay, 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 I would never want that to happen to me or to anybody. But do you know what the people did that were going through that kind of a struggle? While they were being burned to death, They were not cursing God because of where they were. They were singing songs like we sang this morning of worship unto him. While they're being actually burned at the stake, they were worshiping God with songs. Wow. Talk about a transformed life. Freedom from all things. Not just a few things that happen in our daily existence where we run through problems and we get all bothered by Compare that with being burned at the stake. Can you sing joy? Can you sing joyfully to the Lord when you're going through struggles and your trials in your life? 
James says, count it all joy, my brethren, when you enter into various trials and troubles. Count it joy, hallelujah. Something's going wrong. Jesus is Lord. It doesn't matter what's going on. He's the one that's in charge, I'm not. And sometimes we think we are, and we ought to have the answer to everything, and we don't. But we're free in Christ to enjoy the present, to enjoy what's happening. Even your trials and struggles, you can rejoice in the midst of them. The Bible says rejoice, and again I say, rejoice. rejoice. How many have been rejoicing today already? Hey, hey, there's a few of you. I can't see everybody, but most of you, many of you raise your hand. It's a good time to rejoice. Our nation's falling apart. The world's falling apart. Doesn't matter whether you're Democrat or Republican. Everything's upside down. Nobody knows the truth anymore, and they're not about to tell it because that's not their perspective. And so we as Christians know the truth and know joy. So in the midst of no matter what's happening in our country, we can rejoice in the Lord because he is on the throne. Is that okay? Hallelujah. Doesn't matter what's going on around us. It really doesn't. Jesus is there and he's accomplishing great things. And so as I share this message about forgiveness and then secondly about sanctification or being free, he goes on and he tells the people because he's talking to a Jewish congregation, remember, and he's he's explaining these things that they have never heard in their life. I can imagine some people are looking at him saying, what are you talking about? We've never heard this. And I think a frown came on their face and maybe even some objection they saw in the lives of the people. And so this is what he said, verse 41. Behold you scoffers and marvel and perish. Nice word from the gospel, right? May you perish. (laughs) Because you're not understanding. In fact, he goes on and says, therefore, I am accomplishing a work in your days, a work which you will never believe, though someone should describe it to you. I think Paul had an understanding that these people that he was talking to, some would respond, but many, no, we don't like this. They've had Jewish history now for hundreds of years. They're walking in a a knowledge that they've had and and they don't want anything to change. Do you like for things to change in your life? I don't like for things to change in my life. (laughs) I don't like change. I like things to be just the same as they were yesterday. Uh, But God likes change. From glory to glory, he's changing us leading us into a different dimension as to who he is. And so here, number three is a warning. A warning that don't get caught up in your old thinking. Don't get caught up in the way that you've always done something. Because when you come to God, he's gonna tell you something that maybe you've not heard before. He's given you the Holy Spirit, and now as he's talking to you, he now lives with inside of you, that you hear things that you never heard before. There was a man who works out at the uh, airport, and as he has lunch every day that he takes his lunch and he finishes it, he throws his packages on the floor that he doesn't need anymore. He had just received the Lord a week before that, and so he finishes lunch, throws his stuff on the floor, and begins to walk back to work. And all of a sudden he hears, why are you being a litter bug? Where'd that come from? And it happened again. 
So the voice actually said, go back, clean up your mess, put it in the trash. Turns around, goes back, picks up his mess, and he puts it in the trash, which he should have done in the first place, but that isn't how they, they did that. God speaks to us about all kinds of things. You ever drive down the road and you're going over the speed limit and you hear some, something say to you, you need to slow down. Nobody acknowledged that? <laughs> God the Holy Spirit knows there's a policeman ahead and if you don't slow down, you're gonna get a ticket. Uh, I've had that happen to me. That's why I know I can share that with you. Uh, that God speaks to us. He protects us. If we just have ears to hear, we will know how to live our lives because it's no longer I that live, is what the scripture says, but it's Christ who lives within me and the life that he now gives to me. I, he accomplished through the things that he did. I don't have the ability, I don't have the knowledge, I don't have the, the wisdom to know everything that God wants me to do, but he's given me ears, spiritual ears, to hear from him. And let me tell you, we need to hear the warnings that God gives to us. And so that's the third thing that he tells us. Here are the warnings. Uh, let's accomplish the things that he wants to accomplish within our lives, and things will work out much easier that way. Verse 42, <clears throat> going on to another one. This is number four. It says, as Paul and Barnabas were going out, the people kept begging that these things might be spoken to them the next Sabbath. Once they heard the good news of Jesus and the gospel, they said, we need to hear more of that. We, we want to gather together next week. Would, would, would you talk to us about that next week? And so I think he promised them. In fact, next week we find them coming together. He was ready to do that. But have you ever begged your family, let's go to church. Let's not do something. We want to go to church. Family ever do that to you? Hmm. Quiet in here all of a sudden. Going to church, you're here. Are you here reluctantly or are you here because you've been begging to come? No response. Well, <laughs> sometimes we're not too excited about coming to church. But when you come to church and you hear the people lead us in worship, something begins to happen and you begin to enter in and, and church isn't so bad when you cooperate and when you become a part of what God is saying and doing. In fact, church becomes enjoyable to you. In fact, you don't want to miss a Sunday. I remember times when people invited me to go somewhere else instead of going to church on a Sunday morning. I said, well, can we go in the afternoon instead of the morning? I want to go to church. Have you ever begged your mom and dad or begged other people that are coming to church, can you come by and pick me up? Can you take me with you? Yep. <laughs> yeah, front row. Let's, let's do that. They've started begging him that they might be able to enter in. A desire to learn more about God is what this number four is all about. You have a desire to learn more of what God's already said to you? Is there a desire to read God's word? In fact, go to a Bible study and I, I, need, to, I need to have more of Jesus within me. I need to know more about what he wants me to do in life. I, I want to grow in these things. That's what the people were saying. We want to hear more. We want to know more so we can respond better to this promise that God has given to us. So that's number four, a desire to learn more. <clears throat> number five is found over in the, in the next verse. Many, it says, uh, let's see here. 
Verse 43, now when the meeting of the synagogue had broken up, many of the Jews and of the God-fearing proselytes following Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, were urging them to continue in the grace of God. You see, some people weren't just saying, can we do this next Sabbath? Can we come together and hear these things? There were another group of people that followed Paul and Barnabas, and they wanted something more right now. They didn't want to wait another week. And I think Paul and Barnabas probably shared with them as they were walking along, and maybe even where they went, where they were staying. I don't know the circumstance. It doesn't tell us. But it says there that they were encouraging them to continue in the grace of God. Encouraged to continue in the grace of God. Do you have people around you that encourage you to continue to grow in the things of God? We used to talk about mentorship, that everybody needs a mentor to encourage them that they might grow in the things of God, to check in with, with you and see how you're doing. And sometimes that kind of follows through the cracks and, and we're not encouraged enough. But the word of God says we need to encourage one another to love and good deeds. So we need one another. We call this place Grace Voice Gospel Fellowship. You know what that means? It means that there's more than you in the boat. <laughs> it means that there's other people with you in the boat and we're learning and we're growing together. We don't have Bible studies right now, but when we come to September, we'll start the home groups again. And I hope that more people join those home groups because that's where fellowship really happens. You can come in on a Sunday morning and if you hang around or walk through the lobby slowly, you might find fellowship with somebody. Somebody will stop and talk to you and you'll talk to them and that's a good thing. We need to have fellowship one with another. We need to grow together in the things of God. The church is not individualism. The church is collectiveness, is fellowship, where we need each other. We need to grow with one another. In fact, there's, there's 28 one another scriptures in the scripture. It says we need to love one another. We need to encourage one another. We need to pray for one another. We need to honor one another. We need to serve one another. If we would just do those things, what would our life be like? It brings us into contact with one another. We need one another in the body of Christ. You can't just live a solo individual Christian life. That's so difficult. But if you're joined together with others that are encouraging you and praying for you and, and blessing your life, that's why we're starting the first Tuesdays because we want to draw people closer together in our time of fellowship and prayer together. It says we need to pray for one another. Do we do that? Question, do we pray for one another? Well, if somebody calls me and asks for special prayer, then I'll pray. Well, how long has it been since you've been going through your daily experience, <clears throat> and maybe at lunchtime you remember, oh, you know, I talked to this person on Sunday morning and they're going through, I need to just stop and pray for them. I need to just tell God that he needs to be conscious of them and I just need to release the Holy Spirit in their life to do what he wants to do within them. Praying for one another, being in fellowship with one another, knowing one another. We need to understand where each other are. And not that we get into the sticky business with one another, I don't wanna know your stickiness, all I want to know is that Jesus is ruling in your life. You're hearing the word of God. You're growing in him. And if you're doing that, you're continuing in the grace that God has given to you. 
We need to continue. We start in grace. We start with thankfulness because of all that he's done. And then as we go along, we have a tendency to kind of pick up things on our own and not trusting him so much, not leaning upon his grace so much until sometimes we, what's grace all about anyway? Paul wrote to the Galatian church. Let me just read it to you. The beginning of of his letter to them. It's in verse number six. He says this. I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. These are people he's just winning to the Lord. And he writes back to them, he says, I'm amazed how quickly you lost the things that God was doing in your life, actually for another gospel. And then he says, there isn't another gospel. There's only one. You need to renew, rekindle those things. In the book of Revelation, one of the churches lost their first love. How easy is that for us to get all excited about what God is doing to begin with in our life and then fall into just some kind of a routine that almost doesn't include him? We need to go back and rekindle our first love for him. We need to go back and check out what the gospel really means to us how he is speaking to us today, what he's doing and leading our lives. We need to continue in the grace that he's given to us. Goes on, verse 44, it says, the next Sabbath, nearly the whole city assembled to hear the word of the Lord. Nearly the whole city came together. Just one week into hearing the gospel for the first time. Now you have to understand, these people had never heard the gospel before. If we had never heard the gospel before, how excited we, would we be about hearing the truth of Jesus' ability to forgive us and cleanse us from all of our sin? I think we'd be pretty excited. But what happens is that we come to church every Sunday. We come to the prayer meeting on Tuesdays. We fellowship with people throughout the week and it's not a big deal to us any longer. In fact, we, we can kind of get along pretty much by ourselves. I think we need to get back to what God has given to us. Because how did the whole city get there? Paul and Barnabas didn't put up signs and advertise on the radio and TV. We're having a special meeting next Sunday. We'd like the whole town to be there. That didn't happen. They didn't even have that. But people that were excited about what they heard went and talked to other people that hadn't heard that. And especially the Gentiles did that. You see, there were Gentiles that came into the Jewish religion as proselytes looking to find what's the answer to life and they they took on the Jewish customs and tried to become Jewish even though they weren't in order to somehow please God and, and get from God his goodness. Well, now they heard a gospel that says, God's forgiven you. He's cleansed you. He's made you a special son and daughter. They were really excited. (laughs) And they went and told the whole town. People telling people is what this one's all about. Number six is people telling people. Another question I have for you today. How many people have you found last week to talk about what God has done in your life? The older you get as a Christian, the more you're surrounded by just Christians. 
Let me say that again. The older you become as a Christian, tends that we just surround ourselves with other Christians. God never intended that to happen. He says, go out into the byways. <laughs> go out into the world. In fact, the Great Commission is to go and tell and make disciples of all of the nations. And then I love this because he says, and then I want you to tell them all of the things that God has told you to do. You don't have to know the Bible. You just have to hear his voice and know that he's speaking to you, and that's the message that you have to tell somebody else. Whatever God's told you to do, that's the message that other people need to hear because they don't know how to figure out their lives, but God has figured your life out, and he's given you directions to how to live that. And that's your testimony. And your testimony not only changes you into what God wants you to be, but it has the ability to change other people. So next Sunday, we're looking for all of New, New City population to crowd the doors of the church to come in and hear the gospel. Amen. You know how that's gonna happen? Can't happen by me going and telling anybody. Pastor Daniel's out in California, he's not telling anybody. We, the congregation, the people that have been touched by God, we have a message to give. Whether you're working with somebody, whether you have a neighbor, you need to find somebody that doesn't know the Lord and share the gospel with them. And I know most of you are saying right now, that isn't going to happen with me. Well, what can I tell you? The most joyous times of my Christian life are not when God has answered particular prayers that is given to me, but the most joyous times that I can think of is when I've been able to share the gospel with somebody that I'm working with and they surrender their lives to Jesus. Yes. There's nothing better, let me tell you, <laughs> if you haven't had that experience, that's the most blessed experience you're gonna have on this side of heaven because others are going to be able to be brought into the kingdom along with you. You think, ah, these people aren't gonna listen. I used to think that too. But I found out, even from the word of God, that people want answers to their lives. Some people are going and paying a lot of money to counselors to find out the answers to their life. You've got it already. <laughs> God has already talked to you about what the answer of your life is. And it's probably different for most of us. And that's okay because we're a different kind of a people and we all need different things. But that message Go out and teach them all that I have commanded you to do is the Great Commission. Go out and tell them what God has said to you. And you may be surprised at how people respond. I've been amazed sometimes. Uh, I worked with a guy that uh, I he has no interest whatsoever in the things of God. And we were talking at break one day and I was telling him some of the things that God was doing in my life. He says, oh really? Tell me more. <laughs> and I had an opportunity to open my heart to him and tell him what God had done in my life and how that I wanted to follow him fully. And, and he actually later became a Christian. I didn't know it at the time, but he called me a couple years later and he said, I just want to tell you that the conversation we had has changed my life completely. Not immediately, but I now belong to Jesus. You're my brother and I'm your brother. There's nothing better than getting a call like that. 
I don't know of anything any better. I mean, I love my wife, and I love my family, and we enjoy times together. Uh, and that, not that I take for granted, because I don't, because I need to keep working on that, because that's one of the one another things as well. It says that we need to respond to one another in marriage the way that God wants us to respond. We need to take thought of the other person as being more important than ourselves. Hmm, interesting one, isn't it? Consider other people as more important than you. When you become a Christian, that's what actually happens, is that you die to yourself, you become alive to Jesus, and you fulfill the great, the great com- the commandments. The first commandment is love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, everything that you possess, your, love, your mind, your soul, everything. The second one is very similar to that. It says we're to love love one another as Christ loved us. Now, if we just say love one another, eh, I'll get around to it. No, no, no. As Christ loved us. That means that you may be going through a time of difficulty and problems and struggles in your life. That's the best time to share the gospel with somebody else. No amens, but it's true whether you say amen or not. (laughs) We go through trials and we go through difficulty. James says, count it all joy, brethren, when you go through various trials and temptations. How many memorize that verse? Hey, got a couple people. (laughs) Count it all joy. When we go through difficulties in that, it's amazing. Telling other people, the whole, se- the whole city came together because of the joy that was being spread around. Well, when that happens, all kinds of hell begins to break out. Can I say it that way? <laughs> if you go to the next verse, it says in verse 45, when the Jews saw the crowd, they were filled with jealousy and began contradicting the things spoken by Paul, and were blaspheming. Wow. You're going to have trouble from people that don't even like what's happening in other people's lives that you're sharing with. You know that? Not everything is going to be all roses. (laughs) It's not. It's going to be difficult. In fact, there's a division that comes. And I don't know if you like division, but that's what's going to happen. The Word of God says divisions will happen in the family just because of Jesus coming into one person's life. And the other person in the family doesn't respond to that. And division comes and say, wow. But let me tell you, even in families that go through one person receiving Christ as Savior, I think I don't know a number on this. I wish I did. But a high percentage of those people that now are left on the outside, this person knows the Lord and this one doesn't. By seeing the way that the person now loves them and responds to them and lives for Christ, it draws that other people, other person, into that relationship with Jesus as well. I've seen that happen over and over and over again. Oh, I got stories that I'd love to tell you, but I don't have that time. (laughs) It just happens, let me tell you, it happens. So let me tell you, the word of the Lord is strong. It works. And so these people were objecting. So Barnabas and Paul, what do they do? Verse 46, spoke out boldly and said, it was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first since you repudiate it and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we're turning to the Gentiles. 
Uh, he made no bones about it. He says, God has called us to the Gentiles. And he received this cl clearly direction, and that's what the next verse says. For the Lord has commanded us, I have placed you as a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring, bring salvation to the ends of the earth. The first one comes from uh, that first quote from Isaiah 49. The second one from what God actually told to Paul, <clears throat> that you did bring salvation to the ends of the earth. So he knew it wasn't just the Jewish congregation. He knew it was for everybody. He knew the Gentiles would come into this. We're talking 13, 14, 15 years after the church began. It started all Jewish. And they thought, this is great. We have a a new relationship with God. We have a wonderful relationship and fellowship with one another. And then Peter goes and ruins it all by going to this Gentile's house. And he comes back and all the Jews are upset with him. And we went, we went through that already. If you don't remember that, go back and listen to the tape before. But God wants all people to know him. He's the God of everybody. He gave us all life, gave us all strength. And so he pretty much dismisses them. Verse 48, when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord as many as had been appointed for eternal life. Now there's many things in this verse and I don't have time to deal with all of it. But let me tell you, they were rejoicing and glorifying in the word of the Lord. When they heard what Paul and Barnabas had to say about what the gospel really was, they said, it's for us, we don't have to become Jewish anymore. Think about that. <laughs> no, you don't. Jesus came and sacrificed on the cross for the whole nations of the world that we might come into a relationship with him, that we might be forgiven, that we might be established as his kids. That's what he came to do. He came to change our lives. <clears throat> and so they got excited. The Bible says from glory to glory, he's changing us, right? That's what the Gentiles understood. They got excited, not about who Paul was, not about who Barnabas was, but it says there that they were rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. I love Pastor Daniel. He is great. He's our lead pastor here. But when you leave this place and Pastor Daniel's given a wonderful message, do you go out saying, wow, Pastor Daniel, you did it good today. Or was it the word of the Lord that spoke to you? Take, it, take something from this chapter. They didn't honor Barnabas and Paul. They honored the word of God. That's what changes people's lives. And hopefully everybody that speaks from this pulpit will give you the word of the Lord. And if you'll take the word of the Lord and put that within your own heart, God will bless you because of that. The word of the Lord is used four times right here. You can go back and look at that. Find it and get excited about it. Verse 50, but the Jews incited devout women and prominence of prominence and leading men of the city and instigated a persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. Hallelujah. Persecution is the next one. Number nine, isn't that exciting? The gospel, the results of the gospel is that you will be persecuted. In fact, Pastor Daniel said last, last week, I believe it was, he said if you're following the Lord, you will have trouble. Isn't that a great message? <laughs> you excited about this? You're going to have trouble. 
It will bring trouble. Our whole nation is against anything Christian right now. Every, doesn't matter whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, doesn't matter. They're against what God would want to do. So it doesn't matter what you vote for. Let me tell you this, God's in control of the votes. God's the one that directs the nations. Our votes don't direct the nation. God does. And if you have trouble with that, read the Bible, you'll find that that's true. (laughs) I sometimes thank God, Lord, thank you for giving us a free nation to live in. And then I read about Israel when they were taken captive to Babylon. That's the best thing that ever happened to Israel. They go into Babylon, and they're loving the Lord. They're following the Lord. They're following their traditions in a way that they'd never followed them before. And they are now brought into a place after 70 years that God says to them, whoever wants to go back to Israel now can go back. They come back excited about who God is. And they never changed from that time on. They, they just came back. They built the, the walls again. They built the city up again. And they, they continued to be the, the people of God until Jesus came. And then they didn't recognize him because they had slipped away like so many people do. But in Babylon, they did their best work. Read about it. Daniel went into the lion's den. And King was so upset, he loved Daniel. Didn't know what would happen. God shut the lion's mouth. He went down the next day to see, wow, Daniel, are you there? Yeah, I'm fine. He three, throws these guys into the fiery furnace. Hallelujah. And they don't even come out smelling of smoke. There's a fourth one in the fire with them. God is actively involved in difficult, strange, hard situations. Do you get that? you understand that? That's what he's always done. And the more trouble you go through, let me say this carefully, the better off you'll be. Isn't that exciting? That's why James says, count it all joy, brethren, when you go into various trials and temptations you're going to come out smelling more like Jesus than when you went in because that's what's going to happen because you're going to continue to trust him I do know a few people though that in their trouble and trial turned away from the Lord and got upset with him because they went through troubles and trials and they ended up making a shipwreck out of their lives because they didn't rejoice in all things well hallelujah Uh, we're just about there How many of you got number 10 yet? I haven't given it to you. Number 10. (laughs) Verse 51, but they shook off the dust of their feet, protesting against them, and went to Iconium. No big deal. They're throwing us out of the town. Let's go. God has other places, and there's disciples left in the town. And then the next verse, the last verse says, and the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. That's number 10. They were continually filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. You mean when you're thrown out of town, you can still be joyful? (laughs) When you're thrown out of your job, you can still rejoice in the Lord? When you have trouble in your family, you can still rejoice in the Lord? The Bible says so. And then it says they were filled with the Spirit. 
Now, I think it's talking about Paul and Barnabas, but it's also talking about the people they left behind. Now what are we going to do? We don't have Paul and Barnabas. That's never mentioned at all. Paul and Barnabas come back and encourage the disciples, but the disciples stood firm in that which God had said to them. In fact, they continued to grow in the grace of God because of who he was now to them. They weren't depending on other things and on other people. They were depending upon the word of the Lord. God was doing a new thing in their lives. Hallelujah. You excited about Jesus today? Is your first love being rekindled and going back to the things that he first began to do in your life? Don't let Christianity become old. Don't let it become like something that happened yesterday and it doesn't continue to happen. Continue in the grace of God. Continue to be filled with joy. That's your choice. God will help you do it, but you have to choose to follow him. You have to choose to work with him in all of the circumstances that he gives to you. Sound okay? You're going to have a good week? Better than the last week? All right, stand with me. We're going to pray. Then we're going to sing a last song. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the encouragement that you give to us through that. Thank you, Lord, for the results of the gospel that have already been working within our lives. Thank you, Lord, for forgiveness. Thank you, Lord, for fellowship with you. Thank you, Lord, even when we go through difficulties and trials, you're there in the midst of it all. Thank you, Lord, for the many promises that you've given to us. Not that we are so special, but that you are the special one within us. Oh, Lord, help us to be filled with joy and to be filled with that Holy Spirit, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.